0: And joining us now in the PBJ Spotlight, Jill Jarris and Allison Brown, the hosts of Olympic Fever. And ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having
2: us. Thank you.
0: Now, the first question is, how do you two know each other? (laughs) (laughs) uh,
2: I know. We worked together uh, a long time ago um, in the library of a consulting firm.
0: And what is the obsession with the Olympics?
1: I don't know if
2: I'd call it an obsession.
1: Okay. You know, it's just a lifestyle, right? <laughs> no, I don't I don't know, there's something about the Olympics that captures me. And it's that spirit of bringing everyone together and trying to be the best you can be. And you see athletes push themselves to be faster, higher, stronger, and you think, you know, it inspires you to be a better person in whatever aspect you can be. That's what I think of when I think of the Olympics. And it's just, it captivates me to see sports I don't get access to and people living out their passion.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. And I would say that that passion is what always captured my imagination, that you can put everything you are and your entire rest of your life is on hold to achieve a goal is so single-minded and so incredible to me that i i find that wonderful and i just like watching sports cool and and seeing people really do a good job at it so
0: so having um a passion for the olympics or a love for the olympics is one thing but then you two decide you're going to get together and do a podcast about the olympics so talk about how that whole thing came about
1: Right. So I, in in 2016, I started, tried to do a blog for the Rio Olympics and I'm a freelance writer by day. I don't have a ton of people to talk with. Like you have a water cooler or like Allison was right behind me at work. So we just turn around and talk about the Olympics whenever they were on. And so I thought, oh, a blog might be nice to do. And putting that together was a lot of work and way more time intensive than I could do by myself, and do it the way I wanted to do. And then, so that didn't really work so well. And I've loved podcasts for years, and I love the medium. I love that intimate connection you have with the show hosts, with the other fans of the show. And I just thought, well, maybe a podcast would be a good way to uh, fulfill what I want to talk about when I talk about the Olympics. So Allison was coming through town one day, and, uh, I just looked at her and said, "Oh, hey, do you want to do a podcast about the Olympics?" And she's like, "Yeah,
2: I didn't know what I was saying <laughs> i had I really didn't It was just you know Jill and I always worked very well together um <laughs> when we were working together, and we had a lot of fun, so I was like, "Oh, I listen to podcasts. How hard could it be yeah
1: right but- and and <laughs> Yeah, the time intensive aspect of it hasn't gone away, but I think there's something more magical in creating that community of people who you interact with regularly and talk actually talking with athletes and organizers and and people who have background um, roles in the games and and listening to that is just it's all it's really special
0: so tell us um how you did get it started what was you know what was the first thing that that you did did you get a hosting company did you go out and buy microphones take us through those first steps so that anyone that's listening that is thinking about launching a podcast kind of gets an idea how you did it
1: so i am a member of media bistro and they had a course with maurice cherry which was like a 6 week thing with uh how to start a podcast and and media bistro's courses used to be like you took one uh, they'd, they'd show it live and it would take a full six weeks and then afterwards they would repackage it as a self-study course so i was on the self-study program and maurice did a great job in breaking everything down all the things you needed to do and the order you needed to do them in and here's uh a cheap version of getting it done. Here's a more expensive way to get it done. And and he just was really good about, hey, get into this, see what you need, uh, and and just take it as it comes. So um, that's, that's how I did
2: it. And in terms of planning out, uh, Jill really handles all the technical things. Mm-hmm. And when we were planning, I just started thinking of, what do I like to listen to? What attracts me to a show? What's missing in Olympic coverage? And so I was, she's working out all these technical things, and I would just send her these emails like, "Well, what if we did this? And what if we did this? And what?" If? So we just started thinking of what do we like to listen to, and what do we wish existed, and let's make that the format. Okay. Exactly. So go Go ahead, Jill. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh.
1: No, that's okay. And and I was going to say, like, the other thing that frustrated me was I like to talk and listen to things about the Olympics. And at the time, there was nothing regular in the podcast field. So um, – there would be podcasts that would pop up for like the two or three weeks around the games and then they'd go away. So in London, the BBC did a great podcast and then it went away. And then NBC usually puts up a podcast right around the Olympics and it goes away. And same with there's a, there's a couple other that come and go. And, and so we wanted to be a, a place that says, Hey, the Olympics go on every day for these people. So we should have a podcast that does that.
0: Now, um, uh, back to the kind of like the beginning. Did after you talked to Maurice and you, you kind of got an idea from him? Uh, uh, what hosting company did you go with? And talk about the equipment aspect of it. I can see you have an ATR twenty one hundred right in front of you. I
1: is do. That right? <laughs> that, that's a that is that's a gift from Allison. So that was her Christmas <laughs> present last <Yeah>. year. <laughs>
0: nice, nice.
1: So um, I uh, went with Libsyn for hosting. Because that seemed um, reasonably priced and the service was good. And and service has been really good with me. I'm not, you know, I handle the technical aspects, but I'm not a super technical person. So there's a lot of times where I need to push back and go, hey, can you explain this in English? Because I don't understand what you're saying. But um, they've been really great. And then I use Audacity for um, editing. When we uh, do our show, we do end up doing excuse me, we do end up doing a lot of piecemeal stuff. So Allison and I get together over Skype and we record that. And then I throw in um, the, the interviews that we do because they're all separate and recorded separately and uh, throw on the music at the beginning and the end. And so there's a lot of editing that goes into it. Um, I don't have a mixer yet but that's on my list. It was more like, let me get a feel for what's going on and what I need and build over time. So
2: we definitely we jumped in without yeah. really knowing, which I think was good in a yeah, way because yeah. we did a lot of learning on the job, which helped both content development and I think on the technical side as well.
0: Now, Jill, do you remember, or Allison, do you remember how much money you guys had to invest at the beginning?
1: Not
2: a lot. Uh, sure.
1: No, not much. Um, we spent money on uh, music, and we spent money on a logo. Uh, I think we spent like $100, 125 on a logo, and we love our logo so much. Um, that was money well spent. Um, uh, equipment-wise, uh, I had originally started with a headset microphone that was really cheap, and then now I've got the ATR that Allison kindly gifted me and Allison I has- still
2: have a cheap headset that I'm using. So I think <laughs> I'm going to buy myself the better microphone this Christmas. <laughs> and um, beyond
1: that, it's been like we spent money on uh, hosting and website. This past fall, we just purchased uh, a WordPress site so that, you know, we spent a year doing Libsyn's basic site and just making sure we focused on the quality of the content. And then once we were very comfortable with, okay, this is how we do our thing, then it was time to, okay, add more features and add a better website and think about what, where else to invest. I know we spent money on travel. So we traveled to Lake Placid to cover um a pin collectors convention and we ended up talking with some letters while we were there and i had to go to montreal for something else so i added a few days and did some interviews up there and also went out to long beach california for another collectors convention and talked with some people out there as well so travel's been a little bit of an expense but we try to do everything we can um remotely.
0: Well, it sounds like you did it perfectly at, at the beginning there, like a lot of podcasters do to keep the expenses down. Now, how are you getting the word out about uh, the show? How do you market it?
2: Well, we have all our social media as uh, all Olim fever. So we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook and Instagram. That's been our biggest source. Um, we went to podcast movement. So that was a great way to, connect with a lot of people who actually spread the word for us, which has been very helpful. And even our guests have been very helpful um, in attracting their fans to listen to that particular episode. And then they tend to sometimes stick around. Oh, I didn't know this even existed. Mm-hmm. So the guests have been a big boon in, in that aspect.
1: Right. And we've done a little bit of Facebook advertising, but not a ton. no, and um, uh, every week I'll post the show on different Reddit, three, uh, different Reddit threads mm-hmm. and uh, different Facebook groups. Um, sometimes, like when we're busy with our day jobs, uh, the marketing aspect of it takes a little bit of a slide. And we just have to accept that. So, right. you know, we're trying to get the word out. Now we're heading into when we, uh, you know, the, of course, we had a huge spike in listenership from Pyeongchang. And uh, that, of course, dissipated, but not, you know, we ended up getting some more regular listeners from the Olympics themselves. And we just know that our podcast is cyclical, and we're going to get a big boost in 2020 when Tokyo happens. And then, you know, listenership will go down again. But it's finding those people who want to hear these stories. And sometimes they only want to hear one or two sports or one or two people. But, you know, that's that's the nature of the beast so what we have here at the show
0: so who's listening and how many you know how many listeners are you getting per episode
1: we get i would say um upwards w- within a month or so we get two to 250 in downloads 200 to 250 um different episodes do much better um we've had uh Jason Bryant, who is a wrestling podcaster and announcer, he's been on a couple of times. And then when he helps us market, we get a ton of his listeners because they want to hear him mm-hmm. for good reason. Um, so it, it spikes depending on who's on the show, how, how much they help us market, and how much marketing time we're doing ourselves.
0: Now, exactly tell us tell us what the show's about. What are you trying to? you trying to uh, incorporate certain segments uh, or interviews into each so, show, and make sure that you have some time to talk to each other about a specific sport, or kind of give us a rundown of how you're putting the pieces together.
2: Well, we it really depends on what we're covering. We've evolved to have an interview pretty much every show, um, and then we always do an update on what's happening for Tokyo 2020, and also an update on uh, what we call Team Olympic Fever. These are past guests and where they've been competing. Um, we always talk to each other. That's kind of the most fun that we have. <laughs> um, whether that's the most fun for the listeners is another question, <laughs> but you know, that's, I, you know, our personalities really are a central element to to how we put together the show. So how much the interview versus, you know, what we call chit-chat will depend on the subject matter. You know, some interviews are 40 minutes long. Some interviews are 15. So it will depend um, how much. But those are always the main pieces. And then if there's a big piece of news, um, you know, a particular, when they're choosing a city or there's a big report that comes out, we will cover that as well.
0: And is it a one-hour show, and is it weekly, or it, the time varies?
1: It is a weekly show. So we we come out on Thursdays-ish, sometimes the episode. Sometimes it's in the wee hours of Friday morning, depending on my schedule and how much editing I do. And um, we, at the beginning, when we were working on the format, we said it's going to be a nice, tight 30, because I do listen to some podcasts that go on and on extensively, and I've had to stop listening to some because I just don't have two hours every day to devote to one person. You know, I'd rather be able to spread my time around to a lot of different shows. So we thought it's going to be a nice tight thirty, and we've never really been a nice tight thirty for a normal episode. You know, during during Pyeongchang, we were much better about that because we did a daily wrap-up show of what we watched, and uh, those were a lot shorter. But ours are usually i would say 40 to 45 minutes 40 to 50 minutes um rarely do we go over an hour i'm pretty adamant about not getting over an hour i think
2: we only have one or two that are actually over an hour right and it's just over an hour you know 105 103 things mm-hmm. like that
0: so um are you making money
2: not yet Working on it.
0: What's your, what Um, what kind of plan do you have to try and incorporate some revenue?
1: So uh, the usual merch patrons, um, uh, we've had a donation campaign during the Olympics. We had a donation campaign that was really successful in that it covered our hosting and our email addresses and, uh, some other basic expense for the entire year. So that was really good and helpful. Um, We've been approached by sponsors, and we're trying to make something work on that. And I think coming, going forward in 2019, we want to uh, build a sponsorship package and, you know, explore other ways where we can monetize our content in, in different uh, venues that we hadn't thought of. Like, not just put the podcast out on our website or, you know, on, on a podcast platform, but try to think of other places where podcasts might be heard Mm -hmm. and see if we can license our content that way.
2: What are your biggest challenges? Time. Yes. Time. Just, we both have day jobs. We both have families. Uh, Matching up our schedules can be tricky sometimes. Um, And then matching, our schedules with our guests can also be a little complicated. Right. So time is definitely um, an enemy at times. Right.
1: And and also like, uh, inf- we can get information overload pretty yes. quickly, and it can be overwhelming when you when you think about the Olympics. It's it's enormous, and we know that there are some great people out there doing figure skating analysis or gymnastics analysis and they do such a good job and you think oh why can't we do that and then you remember oh well we have like 20 times the sports that you do so you know it's building up our base knowledge and we just keep in mind that every little bit of research we do or everything we read uh, helps us be Better subject experts.
0: Now, so. on this, on the subject of interviews, uh, how are mm-hmm. you doing them so you have good quality sound? Because that's a that's a big deal when podcast podcast uh, listeners are, are tuned into a podcast. We've <laughs>
2: had a couple oh, that have been oh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see you're shaking your head. Couple, what happened? Yeah, we've had a couple where we weren't even sure we were going to use them because the sound was so poor. Um, generally, we've done them over Skype. Uh, which has worked very well. Um, At a few events, we've done them in person, so that tape tends to be obviously better. Um, Though the ones from New York, because we were outdoors at this huge media event, but those were very short, so that Mm -hmm. worked out well because we had pieces. Um, So, yeah, definitely sound quality uh, for interviews can be be a challenge. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so Ed, let me tell you some stories. Okay. In the, in the, if, if this inspires anybody to just get out there and do it. We started, we both had little handheld, uh, very cheap, uh, tape recorders, pocket ones that like mine is a USB Sony thing. And then as we got money, uh, and I, and our Olympics donation campaign actually paid for this, I got an, uh, Zoom H4N Uh Pro. So, That was helpful. We get better sound quality in in in-person interviews, which has been very helpful. So here's the thing. So not everybody has, not all of our guests have Skype or want to use Skype. So getting that Zoom attached to my MacBook Pro has been a real challenge for me. And I was watching some YouTube videos and I found one that was that made sense to my non-technical brain. And I said, I just have to get this cable. So order the cable from Amazon. It disappears off my front porch. Uh, oh, wow. Then it takes me a little time. Yeah. Yeah. That was really bad. Then I had to find another vendor and thank goodness for podcast movement. Cause that showed me to a good vendor for um, audio equipment, got the cord and it doesn't work with my zoom H4N. <laughs> so, and and before that, what we were doing if people couldn't get to us over Skype, literally it was I set up a speakerphone, tiled everyone in, and had like two recorders going on around me, and hoped for the best. And we really hit a wall with one interview that was on a really bad cell phone connection, and that was that was really frustrating because the interviewee was fantastic but it just I was cringing with the sound quality and not sure how to get it better and then I got this cable and it doesn't work and I don't know what to do and then I realized well you know I could just spend a little money and get Skype credit and Allison and I can Skype we can Skype together and we can look at each other which we really prefer that because it that helps us and then we just dial them up. And, yeah, it costs a little bit of money, but, the, oh, my gosh, the sound quality is so much yeah. better.
0: Yeah, I have to tell you, I will not do interviews on a cell phone anymore. It's just that – and it makes it so much harder because so many people are getting rid of their landlines. And if you're not mm-hmm. a podcaster, the chances of you using Skype are probably 50-50. So it's uh, – you got to have the good quality. So whatever whatever it takes, it sounds like you're, you're trying to get it done that way.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and we've, then, I was going to say ahead. we've done various – interviews in various places. Um, You know, we joke about Jill putting a blanket over her head to block out the room sound. I've been, you know, in my bathroom, you know, kind of padded around, doors closed. I mean, we've done some strange setups. Right.
1: Yeah. We've both lived in construction zones this past year. So we've had to deal with how do we get around that. And um, yeah, it's been a challenge, but I think we're we're making those baby steps to getting better, and it'll, you know, over time we're going to get better equipment, and uh, that's just going to evolve. And you know, we'll cringe when we listen to the old episodes, but you know, for
2: a lot of reasons, you
1: know.
0: <laughs> now, how many episodes? <laughs> but going to get better. How many episodes are you up to now, and how much time are you putting into editing each episode?
1: Um, We are up to episode 63 63. or 64 with, and that's regular episodes. So we have a bonus episode that's out there because we had a really good interview and we just wanted to put the whole thing out. And that was over an hour.
2: And then uh, The the dailies from Pyeongchang. Yeah,
1: the dailies from Pyeongchang are different.
2: So the thing that I was thinking about yesterday was, I'm so proud of us for getting an episode out every week. You know, despite all the chaos that has gone on, we got an episode out, even if some of them will make us cringe later. And I think that's super important when you're starting, you made the commitment, you get it out there and you just keep that going for yourself to just, you keep going and you keep working and, and that helps you feel better about what you're doing.
1: Right. And we've had episodes where we're like, I don't know what we're doing this week. And one one was magical in that Allison said, well, you know, it's the Athens 1896, the very first modern Olympic Games, the anniversary. Why don't we watch this old miniseries? And I had never heard of it. So we watched that, and I started looking at the, the guy who won the first Olympic medal in modern history and discovered that that medal is in a college that's maybe a three hour drive from me. So I called the college and the special collections librarian was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take you through all that stuff. And I hopped in the
2: car and went up and got to hold the first Olympic medal. Very
0: nice. Very nice. just
2: Yeah. Things just, there's been a lot of times where things have just somehow fallen into place. And we both look at each other and say, I have no idea how we just put that episode together, but okay, let's right.
1: go. So, and now that we've we've got a groove, we're really working on building up a um, a stable of interviews. I guess you can say, like trying to work ahead as much as we can, so right. that when we have the weeks where we're really tight on time, we have something to fall back on. So, how much so, time
0: are you putting into editing, like per and, episode? Oh, a lot
1: boy. of time. Uh, yes, I put in a lot of time because there is a lot of piecing things together. But, I also edit our interviews, I would say a little significantly, and so that i I do cut down um, spaces that are, are long long pauses, sure. I take out some ums that are uh, that are very isolated, and a lot of that is to cut down on time and and Allison and I we have a problem shutting up. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to take out of our conversations as well. Just like, okay, that didn't work or I messed up an intro or something like that. So I take that out. I would say that it might take me a good 5 or 6 hours to put an episode together. Wow. That that's might a lot of time. be It is a lot of time, but I think for me that's worth it. And um I think that the quality of the product that we put out, even, even if the sound quality isn't there, the the content and mm-hmm. the way we edit it down works. And it's it's always, and I, I do the, as much editing as I do because I'm just so conscious of our listeners' time and what they, mm-hmm. what they can afford to spend with us. I want them to spend as much time as possible with us and not uh, turn us off and say, I'm done, I can't listen to you guys for... For that long.
0: So um why do you two uh love to do this?
2: I like well, hanging out with Allison. I was just about to say the same thing. I think, <laughs> you know, we worked together for a couple of years and then um I moved to another state and then Jim. So we never ever since we weren't working together, we really didn't get to hang out. And so now we get to see each other every week. And that's oh, I'm recording today. So that's kind of something that I look forward to just spending time with Jill and spending time with the guests. We have met so many fantastic people and had so many experiences that I would never have anticipated. And when our listeners communicate with us, I'm just, I want to have them all over for dinner. I just, yeah, <laughs> you know, I love hanging out with the people that are in our community that are uh, as a whole. They're just, they're just fun people. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, last question as we're running out of time already. What advice do you have for other podcasters?
1: Just jump in. Yeah, get it done. Don't – I mean, you can talk yourself out of doing anything, but just doing it. um, Know that you're going to be bad in the beginning, but it's going to get better. You'll get smarter. You'll become more polished. Nobody starts off as an expert. And I think we learn this every week when we talk to an athlete where we hear the highs and the lows and how they get through all that. Oh, um, uh, gosh.
2: Yeah. It's I, just, know. yeah. You will convince yourself you can't do it. And I'm, you know, the first one who can think of every reason not to. So I think what was good is, and this I would say, is if you can work with someone who will just get you to do it, that's a, that's a huge help. That is an enormous help. We yeah. keep each other
1: honest. We do, and I think it's much easier to do this show with a partner and you have that extra person to bounce stuff off of. And uh, I don't know, we just when we think about the past year and 3 months or so, I, I can't imagine not doing the podcast now. We've had so many incredible experiences and Talked with so many people. I mean, we went rowing with an uh, Olympic gold medalist, and that was, you know, who gets to do that on a right. daily basis?
0: Very cool. So, um, thank you. First of all, thank you both for for coming on. And uh, Jill, where can people find you? Reach out to you? Follow you? Give us all the rundown uh, so everybody that's listening can can you know um, can listen to your show or or follow you on social media.
1: Oh, we are at. OlymFever.com. So it's O-L-Y-M, fever.com. And we're OlymFever on every social media. So we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We have a Facebook group that's Olympic Fever Podcast. And that's where we have a lot of fun on a daily basis.